Somebody royally forked up. Somebody forked up. Why can't I say fork? If you're trying to curse, you can't hear. I guess a lot of people in this neighborhood don't like it, so it's prohibited. That's bullshit. You're listening to League Podcast, episode 432. I'm Matt Derson. I recently sat down with an old friend and colleague of mine, Professor Joshua Pedersen of Boston University, to study and talk about and laugh about the show The Good Place. He used to go over in his class as a way to engage the students, and I thought he'd be a perfect person to get into the nitty-gritty of the show, do a deep dive, as we say, in the biz. So um, I'm not going to waste any more time. We're going to get right into the show. Thanks very much to Joshua for coming on. Here we go. Let's go to me and Joshua. Holy motherforking shirtballs. So I just want to make sure I can introduce you as a professor of... Do you have an official title I'm supposed to say? Or what is it? Well, I, hey, I don't care what you tell. Oh, um, uh, I, <laughs> Some people, you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I suppose I am Associate Professor of Humanities. Associate the, Professor of uh, Humanities, Boston University, and you, okay. And, but you do teach, there you go. like, do, do you actually teach philosophy or you just, we just say humanities? I do. Okay, great. Well, I, I, I don't want to overplay my credentials here, but <laughs> no, yes. you're right. <laughs> I, do, I, I understand. Do yeah. Joshua, thank you for coming on. <laughs> thank you for coming my on. Pleasure. My pleasure. It's, it's it's great to talk to you. If anybody's listening, which they're not, but if anybody's listening, I haven't I haven't spoken to Joshua in in a while, obviously because of COVID, and even before that. But we used to go out and sing karaoke frequently, so I definitely missed. And that. hopefully, will again. Hopefully, I we will sing again. I know we will. But Joshua sings a mean take on me, by aha. If, if we're listing my accomplishments, I hope that comes first. <laughs> yeah. Aha! Uh-huh. You know, Africa by Toto. Very good. Very good version of Africa. But you're also an associate professor of humanities uh, at Boston University, and you teach philosophy. So, and religion and stuff like that. Like, you're, you're kind of in, that's your wheelhouse, right? Jack of all trades, master of none. Oh, I like it. I like that. So, but we're going to talk about the good place because I think you were even one of the first people who said, "Oh, you should, you should definitely check it out." It's because it was probably yep. 2016 when the show it did debut in 2016. So you probably the one of the first people who told me this is a good show. And you should check it out. It took me four years, but I finally did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad my recommendations have uh, have uh, carry weight. Well, it's one of those things, you know, I mean, it ended just this earlier this year. So it was kind of like now you can watch the whole thing without like, you know, it's it's tough when you watch a show and then you catch up and you're like, oh, now I got to wait a week. Well, that was that was one of the I think Good Place when it came on was one of the last shows I tuned in for weekly. Like Mm -hmm. my my wife and I, Jess and I would sit like we would it was like Thursdays at 830 or something like that. And we would actually we had an antenna on our TV and everything. Yeah, it was it's a. It's from the from the prehistory of television. Right. Yeah. yeah. Must see TV, you know, where you're like I'm... appointment television. It's it's rare. It doesn't happen anymore. But so obviously a lot happened in this show. They they went four seasons. That was the plan all along. They didn't have to, like it was great the way it you know it worked out that way. So 
I think it helped with the characters and they didn't have to like just well keep going when they weren't like that was the plan four seasons but it goes in so many different directions so we're gonna if you haven't watched it obviously don't listen to this because we're gonna spoil it for you (laughs) (laughs) obviously there's a big twist you know at the at the if you you know at the end of the first season and all that so but i just kind of want to talk touch on some of the philosophical there's like a few main philosophical tenets that Michael Shore, the creator, wanted to, or he drew from. So the first one is, this is something I just read on Wikipedia today, but no exit is sort of the, where the strangers must coexist. It's the, the play by Sartre, right? Sartre? Right. Sartre, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jean-Paul. Yeah, sure. so, Sartre. Right. So it's like, he. There it is. the play is called No Exit. And these strangers must learn to coexist. And that's where the expression hell is other people comes from. And that's kind of what he was, what Michael Shore is basing it on. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and you can, and I, I think that that becomes clear, especially in the second and third seasons that, and, and here's the big spoiler. I mean, the, at right. the end of the first season, you find out that the good place is not indeed the good place. It's the bad place. Right. And then I think one of the things I really like about the show is that the kind of the nature of the punishment becomes clearer in the second season and to a certain extent the third season as well because you find out that heaven is actually hell and, and indeed in some ways part of the part of the punishment is the is the kind of expect the, the the expectation that um, you know the expectation that it is one thing and it is it, it, it's actually the other thing but i mean i think he you know sure kind of he he reveals slowly that to a certain extent they are each other's tormentors or or it's the interpersonal relationships that drive drive them crazy so much um, and then when they and then when they go back and they, they, you know they kind of do, when they when they kind of try to recreate hell again in the third and fourth seasons this comes back it's that but yeah absolutely this kind of slogan of no exit that hell is other people is it really is kind of the ethos of the show and especially the ethos of hell well I think one of the other things that I really <laughs> like about it is that it plays it plays this more nuanced understanding of torture off against more standards understandings of torture they, like the lava monster. That, that blows lava into your throat or the, you know, the, the, <laughs> right. the, the repeated joke that the favorite punishment of hell is penis smashing. But it, <laughs> I mean, there, there is, there is deeper. I mean, there, there is, yeah, I think, I think Sartre is the, Sartre and no exit in this notion that, that it's, it is each other who are, who are worst, our worst enemies is, is, is crucial there. You know, the other person I was thinking, because, because I think Sartre is part of it, but, but Schopenhauer is also in there. And I think okay. one of the things that's impressive about the show is the, is the kind of depth of its philosophical knowledge or, or the depth of its philosophical reference base. Because Schopenhauer's there too. And Schopenhauer says something similar. Schopenhauer says that we live in a hell and we are both the residents of hell and the demons that torment each other. Which is kind of, it's, it's, it's working on a similar theme there. So yeah, absolutely. And it's because we're, it's not so much like that people are bad, but because we're like trapped with other people all the time. And that's kind of like, it and but the show like it for an example in the show is cheaty can't make decisions you know he's very indecisive and eleanor is kind of always torturing him by pushing him to make decisions all the time it's kind of like yeah, yeah. it's great <laughs> of course i have well, never I, taken a philosophy course just so you know I, I know nothing about it so this is why <laughs> if i sound like i don't know what i'm talking about it's because i don't know what i'm talking about but oh that's none of us do. and like you know to another extent like tahani tahani yeah. Tahani, like she thinks that she's this 
or she was, I should say, this really great person who did all these wonderful things. So, of course, she should go to the good place. And the fact right. that she does not is just like she doesn't get it. And, and Jason, who is sort of her tormentor, who is the best character in one of in all of television. Jason is hilarious. <laughs> but like he's just like kind of always because he's not like he doesn't give her like this validation or anything like that. He's kind of just like, oh, uh, anyway, it's great. And plus, he has to pretend to be a monk. Yeah. So it's, right, right, yeah, right. Which well, is and I, the, other one, the other one that gets me is 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 uh, I'm sorry. What's Kristen Bell's character's name? Well, I, it's look, it's escaped. Eleanor. Eleanor there we go. So and I mean, there, there's that way in which Tahani is also Eleanor's tormentor, in which you know she's right. she's so status concert conscious, and she's such a climber, and she's and she's and and I mean, I think Eleanor is very much configured as white trash, especially at the beginning of the show. Right. And and so that's I mean, Tahani is in many ways her tormentor. Yeah, there, there is kind of a cube going on, or I mean, a yeah, square going on there. Where you can almost match each one up with the other. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like a rhombus, maybe. I don't know. But, but, yeah. <laughs> hey, you, you, can, you can knock your philosophy, but you can't knock your geometry. That's now. right. That's I know. I... So, this, uh, maybe this is a left turn, but the trolley problem is kind of a very. In fact, there's a game that like, apparently there's some kind of drinking game or something or some kind of game that's a stat that's come about about the trolley problem where if you don't remember from the show you're riding this trolley do you veer off and kill one person or keep going straight ahead and and, and you kill five people but if, if you know the one person and stuff like these different is this something that is talked about in philosophy absolutely yeah. absolutely cool. but so the, the trolley problem, it's a classic, it's a classic thought experiment that usually goes along with utilitarianism because utilitarianism is this notion, broadly speaking, it's kind of the bumper sticker philosophy that you're going for the greatest good for the greatest number. So 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 the, the, the classic version of the trolley problem is, is as exactly as you put it. There is a trolley driving down the road or driving down the tracks and there are five people in the way. But you are standing next to the lever that could divert the trolley over to the other track where there is only one person, right? Yeah. So, I mean, so to a certain extent, you're, you're asked to do the greatest good for the greatest number, and at some sort of basic level, it's obvious, because the greatest good is going to be killing the one person, not the four people, at least in the very basic version, or the five people. But the interesting part, the, 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 the reason it's a problem is that you would be injecting your own agency. You would be somehow, if you right. pull that lever, you make the decision, you make what is essentially the correct utilitarian decision to kill fewer, but you are, that person's blood is on your hands now. So to do sure. it's, it's kind of challenging you to make, it, it, kind of, it kind of forces utilitarians to kind of admit to their own moral agency in utilitarian decisions. Because if you pull the, if you pull the lever, you've probably made the right decision, but you have also essentially, you have, your agency has led to the death of that one human. So yeah. There's, there's actually this really, really fantastic, oh gosh, and what do they call it? The, the MIT has a, has a program online with this where they essentially mess with it. Uh, and they, they, they said, okay, you know, I mean, what if, what if the, what if the one person is, what if the one person is um, 20 years old and the five people are all 90 years old? Oh, then do you, let, do, you, do you let the car keep going and kill the five 90 year olds? Or what if, and they, they play with all sorts of different stuff. Or like, what if the one person is, what if the one person is a good person? And what if the five people are all criminals? Then does that affect your utilitarian math? So, so part of it is, part of it is to kind of force utilitarians to, to put their money where their mouths are to a certain <laughs> extent. 
but also to problematize utilitarianism because utilitarianism kind of promises easy moral math and uh, and i think one of the one of the things of the trolley problem is that it it problematizes moral math in that way mm. but yeah and it's funny because i was you know the trolley problem just it's 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 very much kind of ethics 101 it's like the first it's one of the first things that you talk about when you talk about utilitarianism uh, yeah, but it's because it's super classic uh, but it's funny that it's a motif in the show it comes up over and over again <laughs> right. in the show including and what are they, they even in the last episode they make a joke about about simulating it so yeah it's 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 definitely it's definitely a yeah it's a motif that comes back and back yeah it's pretty cool i mean like ted danson actually as michael sort of creates it and makes makes cheaty decide but then he puts his friend there like i said as the one person and then like the blood goes up and, and cheaty freaks out he's like the I totally pieces flew into that. my mouth it's, it's pretty <laughs> great because i love michael anyway but yeah he has such trouble like with this stuff and he's like trying to learn which is kind of the second thing that that michael shore the creator you know bring it's like because they study moral philosophy cheaty takes them all and you know if we learn this stuff we you know we can be better people and then earn our spot in the good place basically i think is the goal although it goes all sorts of places so and so is that something like it's it's sort of like like self-reflection and and all that stuff like because they don't really learn although eleanor does actually learn quite a bit but she always kind of puts like a spin on all of her all of the stuff it's 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 that something though like if you just by learning about moral philosophy, can you become a better person? Is that, is there a theory in philosophy about that or whatever? Absolutely. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's kind of a classic, it's a classic question. Uh, and I, it, basically it comes down to, it comes down to Plato and Aristotle, kind of back at the beginning of ancient Greek philosophy, because Plato, Plato to a certain extent, and you know, not, I don't think there's anybody who believes that just by knowing the good, you will become a good person. But that's, he was closer to that. Plato and Socrates were closer to that side of the debate, that somehow simply knowing the good is, is sufficient. And I think furthermore, to a certain extent, they believe that you already, you always already know the good. It's a process of revealing it to yourself. Aristotle is the other version of that. Aristotle says very explicitly that knowing the good isn't enough, like that, that simply reading simply reading, for instance, the Nicomachean Ethics will not make you a good person. And he is the he is the figure, at least in the kind of Western tradition, that embodies the notion that to to be good you must practice being good. And so, so he talks about he talks about the habitualness of of morality. You have to, and, it, and and also it's not it's not even good enough to do it once. Once is not enough. You do it over and over and over and over and over again. You get good at being good to a certain extent. Well, I think that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's cheaty to a certain extent, right? I mean, he's right. the, he's the one who, who, who knows moral philosophy, but can't seem to act on it, or is, is the kind of purely theoretical person. He knows all the books and yet somehow has ended up in the bad place nonetheless. So yeah, I know that's, it's a, yep, that is a longstanding, that's a longstanding dispute. But I mean, of course, I think, I mean, and the reason that, that I think Plato and Socrates still have some purchase is, and yet you still do need to read, right? I mean, you still need to, you, you need to learn this somehow because I don't think anybody believes, even they don't believe 
that you were born good. You have to somehow reveal this knowledge to yourself. But yeah, no, it's it's. I think and and you know, you know it's it's a it's a tired saying and one that doesn't hold as well as it should. But at least in the West, or at least in the European tradition, there's this there's this. I think I think Whitehead said it that the history of philosophy is just footnotes to Plato, which is to, which is true to a certain extent. <laughs> and, and 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 so I mean, Aristotle is in some ways responding to Plato in suggesting that, and then you just keep going back and forth. I mean, because I think you could, yeah, yes, absolutely, absolutely. But but it's a no. That question is it's 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 super germane to the show, and I think it's super germane to the history of philosophy too. They do a great job within each within certain individual episodes, where like of especially through Eleanor, I think playing that out, and where she does realize you know certain things, which is hey, that's just like that guy. Like she never pronounces the philosophers' names correctly, which is great, but is pretty funny. And she always names drops Stone Cold Steve Austin, which I also like a lot. Which is really funny. <laughs> other, other noted philosopher. Yes, that's right. Yeah. She can get his name right. Well, it is kind of funny because I was, you know, I, I was, I was telling you this before we came on that I, I had, I had held off on watching the final episode of the show, and I went, I went, I watched it last night to kind of prep for our conversation today. And it is kind of funny the ways in which they they do remain themselves. Like they, there are yeah. ways in which they grow and there are ways in which they don't grow. And, and yeah, you, you can, you can kind of ask this question. I mean, because the, the show is kind of predicated in the idea that they're getting better, uh, but in some ways they're not. <laughs> right. They're the same. Their flaws are their defining the characteristics, same. right? Yeah. Yeah. But it is, it is, I mean, like, yeah, to jump ahead to the final, the finale, if you haven't watched it yet, I'm sorry, listeners, but. Spoiling so the whole thing. Yeah. We're, I mean, I don't know why you've listened to a, podcast about the good place if you haven't watched it but so each character has to make the decision that like they want their afterlife essentially to end that they have experienced all they need and it's they if they pass through this doorway that will be the end of their existence they will cease to exist and uh, it's an interesting thing I, except for tahani who she ex ends up becoming an architect like michael to you know which is really cool for her but Jason, Chidi, and Eleanor all have to kind of make the decision that they are, this, they have had, they've, they've had enough, I guess. And they, they just go through the doorway after like an eternity, basically of experiencing all this stuff. And they're, it's, it's, an, and I don't know if how, where that falls in the, the lexicon of philosophy, but like, do you ever reach that pinnacle of just like, okay, I'm good. Well, it is interesting. I mean, I, I think one of the things that I noticed about the show, and it's only because it's something that I'm working on in my own courses is ph philosophy is and problematically incredibly european i mean as a discipline it is white it is male it is european <laughs> and, and 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 it's funny that a show that boasts such a diverse cast nonetheless kind of also still hues to a pretty white version of philosophy it's like i mean it's the classic tradition because I mean, that, that, this is I, I, it's funny i was just having this conversation with colleagues not too long ago the the first time i taught my course i teach a, i teach kind of an intro to ethical philosophy course and y you can still buy basically intro to philosophy courses that are just all white dudes i mean like and any <laughs> efforts at trying to be more diverse trying to be more inclusive have at least in some sectors of philosophy, academic philosophy have made no dents at all. So it's kind of crazy. So there's this weird tension in the show, and I promise I'm going to come back to your question. No, please. Uh, there's this weird tension in the show where the cast is, I mean, they're clearly trying to have a very diverse, very inclusive cast. And yet their definition of philosophy is this kind of very, very classic, very, very white, very, very male one. And so, I mean, when, so for instance, when, when Eleanor in the last episode takes Chidi to kind of the home of philosophy, you know, she goes back to ancient Greece and, and then, then they go to Paris, right? I mean, so, so even when, even when they, 
And then, you know, when he's sitting at le, le, the, the De Majot in the last episode, and he talks again, he talks about it. He was like, oh, I'm just so excited to be sitting in places where, you know, Camus sat and Sartre sat. And to a certain extent, that's just the continuation of that. It's just the 20th century version of all the white dudes getting together to talk. And, and here's why, here's the thing, because it is interesting that that vision for, for kind of, that the vision, for, you know, yeah, what, the, the door you walk through and kind of right. cease to exist. I mean, Chidi yeah. kind of says it in the last show, show that the, the image isn't really Western. It's, he says he's it's Eastern. We have to look to the East for this vision when he talks. And, and so I, mean, I think that is true to a certain extent, that, that you get, it's, it's Asian philosophy that provides us with that, with that, with that vision of the end. It's sort of like that, Buddha, that kind of says, like, oh. a, like, like you reach Nirvana kind of a thing. Almost. Absolutely. It's, yeah. It's Nirvana. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's Moksha. It's, it's, it's noth nothingness is the, is the final goal somehow. And, and I think that is probably true that that is at least, I mean, it's not to say that there are no, in, indeed there are, especially in the 17th and 18th century, there are European philosophers who start looking to Asian sources for the first time, but it is, it's, it's, it's more of an Asian it's an Asian philosophical tradition and perhaps a South Asian philosophical tradition more than it is a European one. So so it's interesting that in this last, which I don't, and I'd have to go back and watch. I don't know if there's a lot of effort to kind of bring in Asian philosophy. You get it at the end of the show anyway. I don't remember either, but, you know, that they, it was definitely there in the finale was was really well well done. So, yeah. The one thing, though, the thing I really like, though, and maybe I, I hope, you can have i'm sure you have something to say about this but the the there's even an episode title what we owe to each other and uh, it's a book by tim scanlon and i don't know if you're familiar but apparently michael short said that's sort of the spine of the show and the idea of contractualism and to act morally this is right from wikipedia the to act morally is to abide by principles that no one could reasonably reject the idea is like you're not doing this to accumulate good goodness points. Like the idea is you have a duty to each other, kind of in a way. So I, this is something that goes, I think, throughout the show with the relationships and the different characters and everything like that. But yeah, so Michael Shore apparently really believes in this, and yeah. So the point of morality is not to accumulate goodness points and get it to heaven or the good place, which they never say the word heaven. I don't think ever in the, in the whole I'm show. <laughs> so, yeah. so is that like like? But, but that's like the whole show, because the, the whole show was they had to reevaluate how people got into the good place, because like it was this system of points that and basically no one was getting in because no one could live up to these expectations. And so the job of the main characters was sort of to became to change the way the point system worked, which is, I don't know, I really like that. And uh, well, it's clever. And it, it is kind of funny that it never really becomes, it never is religious, or at least the, the, you know, I mean, it's obviously a very religious model. I mean, it's kind of a heaven hell model, but it's good place and bad place. Like there's never really a God figure. There's never, I mean, there are, de there, there are demons and there are kind of, and I, I do like that the fact that the kind of, the, the, the architects of heaven are really never called angels. They're, right. they're, they're something else. And they're, they're also really a feat. And then they kind of, you know, they, they, they wander off at the end, which I, which I also really like. But the fact that yeah. this is kind of, it's, it's pride loose. It's it's a heaven hell scenario that's also pride loose of all this religion religious language for the most part. Mm. But no, Scan I mean yes, Scanlon's. I, and I don't want to pass my. If there are any Scanlon experts in the in the audience, as I'm sure <laughs> you know, they talk to podcasts, man. So oh, I'm sure. Gotta, yeah, there must be a Scanlon. <laughs> all, all my apologies to them. I mean, I will say this. You know, I mean, th this notion of contractualism, kind of it, again, it gets at one of these. I think one of the things that one of the things that 
the show's really good at is kind of laying bare some of the really, really basic questions of moral philosophy. And I think Scanlon gets it another one of them, which is essentially where does our definition of the good come from? Where do our moral values come from? And I think it's, this again, it's related. I mean, the, the religious version of morality is that our definition of good behavior comes from the outside. It comes from God, right? I mean, God, God sends it to us and puts it in scripture and then we follow that. But, but essentially one of the great, and, and, and that, but for moral philosophers, that position is, is suspect, right? I mean, because you know, you're not thinking it through yourself. You're simply, you're simply accepting somebody else, God's word or some sort, or the Buddha's word, if you want to kind of, you know, it's, it, it's so that the definition of the good is outside. Contractualism is the other kind of side of this coin because contractualism sets, sets definitions of the good within the community. Basically it's, it's what's good for us. I mean, it's what we owe to each other. And, and that's the thing, right. the good is what is good for us, not what's good for God or not what's good for some sort of transcendent being, or it's, mm -hmm. it's not external to the community. The, the good is not external to the community. It is, ex it, it is internal to the community and it is defined by the community. I think that's really important about this. And I think that's, that's, that's the other, that's the other kind of impressive shift that the show makes, because if in the beginning, hell is other people at the end, heaven is other people, right? I mean, it, it, that, that's one of the transitions the show makes because by the end, and they even say that, you know, I mean, when, and a little bit embarrassingly when they, Gosh, he's, I, I think it's in in the second to the last episode when Eleanor is talking to Patty, Hypatia of Alexandria, and and, and Patty says, "Who's played by Lisa Kudrow?" Patty says something like, "I forget what it is." She says something like, "Well, you know the reason you got this far, right?" And they're all just looking at her friends. And I mean, I mean, mm. and, and I think by the end, I mean the, the the thing that was the source of torment is now the thing that's the source of strength. But that's very much Scanlon. I mean, it's 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 you're you're embedded you're you're embedded very very forcefully within the people who are around you. And your moral responsibility is to them, not to any sort of outside force, or even not to any sort of external definition of what is good. What is good is what is good for each other. You, you, you hash that out. I mean, it's a contract. It's, and, and to a certain extent, the stipulations of that contract can change over time um, and change, change depending on who you are and where you are and what community you live in and stuff like that. Is this kind of like a rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing? Or, or I don't know if that's quite the right yeah. expression, but uh, yeah, you know, like where you bring each other up, you lift each other up and they, yeah, that's, that's very, it's very good. Yes. And also to a certain extent, you can't be good on your own, right? You can't, ah, okay. which I think does get back to this kind of very basic idea at the beginning of the show that the point system is the thing that's flawed, that somehow you can on your, you know, you're kind of a solo competitor trying to get as many points as possible in a game when that's not the, that's not the version of morality that the shows get. You can't do it on your own in the show. I think you have to do it with other people, with the people who are around you, which I think is closer to a contractualist understanding of the show. I mean, it's, 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 it's embedded. It's embedded in the community. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. That was the yeah. That was something I didn't even really put it all together until I read about it today. I was like, oh, wow, yeah, how about that? <laughs> yeah, right, but, right. Well, and it comes and and she's and what and Eleanor's reading it in the last episode, isn't it? Isn't she? Uh, so I think it's, so, yeah. It's made really explicit. In the, yeah, absolutely. Well, and the other thing that I didn't realize, or that I obviously I didn't realize because I just saw it. I, I read some interviews early on. So so one of my I read some interviews early on about about how short put the philosophy in the show and there are some there are some interviews where he based because i because i was like wow this guy must be pretty 
well-read. This guy must be pretty into some of this stuff. And there was one interview where he, was like, where he basically was like, yeah, I read the Wikipedia entries for all these guys. <laughs> got to do the show. But I don't know if he was just playing coy there or not, because, I mean, there were, philosoph there were philosoph philosophical advisors for the show who yeah. make cameos in that last episode. So, That's right. And it is. I mean, it's there are moments in the show. I mean, like, the trolley problem is kind of a... It's kind of the first paragraph of Wikipedia version of philosophical ethics. But then there are there are names in the show that I did like I, like I think in the third to the last episode they reference they reference an essay by Judith Schlar on cruelty and I was like what's that and then I went and read it I was like wow that's great I mean so clearly like there are I don't know if it's just because he gets more erudite or more into the subject as it goes on but but it is yeah I mean I, I think there are there are ways in which the show is really deeply engaged in serious philosophical and moral questions and trying to present them i mean kind of crazily like how in the world would you ever pitch this show i want to do a show that's basically just philosophical ethics 101 and i want you to put it in your prime time lineup on thursdays which is uh, you know it's it's kind of i think that's one of the things i like about the show is it's just so audacious in its pitch yeah i mean it is pretty it's not something i would have ever uh, you know imagined it, it is i think he pitched it and he said it's not about religious salvation it's 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 totally ethical like it's different versions of ethics it's not about religious salvation so like when you think the good place you think oh it's about heaven but it you know yeah it's completely um, yeah at least that's when i first heard i'm like oh it's a story about being you know being in heaven okay a sitcom about the, we haven't seen that before but it's nothing <laughs> it's not that at all well, it, you know, it's kind of funny because because what NBC's the Heathen Network, right? I, mean, so. <laughs> I, guess, I don't know. I think they're all pretty heathen to me, but it, well, it does. It does. I mean, I I, I just know that. I mean, I think the, the mem some members of the right see some people on the right see NBC is. I mean, like CBS is the show that'll put. What doesn't CBS have a show like God Friended Me or something? I mean, like CBS does have some of these shows that are that take. I think Christian religion really seriously. So it is kind of funny that he's that he's pushing back on that. I didn't know about that pitch. That's interesting. I just read that in my research here. He also, I mean, Michael Shore did, I think he had some, because he had just made Parks and Rec. And so I think they yeah. were kind of like, oh, sure, we'll we'll give you whatever you want or something. You know, I, mean, I guess that makes like, Well, yeah. sure, go ahead. But, you know, and there were a lot of, there was a few Parks and Rec alumni or, or like Adam Scott is, is one of the demons and everything like that. There's a lot of some. Yeah. And there's even, if you want to get into it, there's a Swanson, the, the safe that Jason died in was a Swanson safe company. So if you want to say oh, that they're so in the same universe, Ron Swanson may have built the safe. I don't know. It's, there's a theory going around about that. So. Oh, oh, that somehow they're they're happening in the same universe, yeah. the Shoreverse. Yeah, the Shoreverse, <laughs> right? There's a there's a there's a theory online about that. So you know. Well, and then and who's who's the guy? And then it, I mean, it's clearly not Ron Swanson. Who's who's the guy who plays Ron Swanson? I can't remember his name. Nick Offerman. And Nick Offerman. Nick I mean, then he makes that cameo in the last episode teaching Tahani woodworking too. Right. So it, which is, but it's yeah. not entirely clear. I mean, it, but it seems like that's Nick Offerman, not. Yeah. Not Ron Swanson, right? Offerman awesome. in real life is like a big woodworker guy, right. like not right. not Ron Swanson. They put that into Ron Swanson's character because Nick Offerman was cat. But yeah, so Michael Shore had a had a sort of some goodwill built up. He had some he had some points at least with NBC. I don't know if there were morally I, you know moral philosophy points, but <laughs> way to bring it back. Yeah. They... <laughs> They do. I mean, some of this stuff is. I mean, I don't know if the trolley 
I'm going to get a little nerdy here, but you you know Star Trek two, right? Do you know the idea of Star Trek two, the needs of the many? Are you familiar with this? <laughs> talk talk to me. Okay. I, um, I'm a I'm a I'm a casual Star Trek fan. Oh, okay. So it's, it's the Wrath of Khan. The idea is the cadets have to go through this thing, the Kobayashi Maru, which is a test to test your moral character and how you would deal with your all your crew dying, right? And so the idea is uh, Spock with his logical, you know, like everything is logical. Spock says the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. So you would have to sacrifice yourself in order to, you know, and at the end of the movie, of course, Spock does sacrifice himself to save the ship yeah. because the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. So, I mean, that's sort of a, tr a trolley problem within itself uh, in a way. But the, the funny thing about the movie, of course, is that Captain Kirk cheated on the test to allow himself to win, even though it's a right. no-win scenario. So it's kind of like, it's another, I don't know, you could almost do a whole class on that, I suppose. Uh, the, <laughs> the, it's not exactly well, the trolley problem, but it's close. Well, no, you absolutely could. And well, and it, it is, it's, well, I mean, here, and here's the thing, it's utilitarian, Utilitarian ethics is often set off from other more. Uh, no, it absolutely, it absolutely, it's it's a utilitarian thought experiment, especially because you know it, it's utilitarianism is often critiqued because it allows it justifies that death, right? I mean, so right. if you know, it's justifying the death of the one, it's justifying mm -hmm. Spock's death, it's justifying, right. and in the, the, one of the classic critiques of it is you should not admit a, a, admitting. Admitting a moral philosophy that justifies the loss of life is a slippery slope, right? I mean, so you know, okay, maybe it's good once, but I mean, then do you, does that does that make you does that you get you comfortable with the loss of life, right? I mean, because then you're like, okay, does but what if it's what if it's five people who who die for the crew? Well, that seems right. fine. What if forty percent of the crew should die for the other sixty percent of the crew? Is that still okay? I mean, that's and that's right. where you push, and to a certain extent, that's I mean, so Kirk is not only kind of anti-utilitarian he's also he's principal it's like you don't no nobody nobody dies nobody right dies. nobody that, that comes in because and see this is where you're going to hate me is because no. my better friend reference is the more recent it's the it's the star trek reboot with chris pine right oh, I, chris I, pine I, and, uh, I love those and because they do that at the beginning i mean yeah. essentially because they you know there are all sorts of ways in which the con movie the second time around is it, it is the Khan movie, but it's also an inversion of the Khan movie of Wrath of Khan, right. and because because that scene essentially happens at the beginning, where Spock where Spock puts his life on the line, but then Kirk won't let him do it essentially, right. and breaks rules so that he can preserve everybody's life. So it's oh absolutely well, and the other the other interesting one is is the, the other interesting place where this comes up is Avengers the, the last two Avengers movies with Thanos, because sure. essentially Thanos is a utilitarian. I mean he's he's uh, he 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 believes that somehow the the universe will not survive with its current capacity. It's past its load capacity. So he's gonna kill half the people so that the universe can continue allowing for. But, you know, the Avengers are not, they're not utilitarians. They're like, no, 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 <laughs> I'll let life is precious. And so I'll, I'll we're, we're going to fight for, you know, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna try to thread that needle or we're not going to bow to the whims of the utilitarian. Uh, yeah, and then of course, Tony Stark sacrifices himself to, yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> to <yeah>. save <laughs> everyone. And to beat Thanos. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it, there's all kinds. Of, who even thought the moral philosophy of the Avengers? It's everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, and, it, and it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's, I, I guess that, that snuck into my Twitter feed there for a while. Moral philosophy of the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're 
people tweeting at you going, hey, is this no, right? They, no, no one, literally no one ever tweets at me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know a former student or something had written in, hey, I just watched Avengers. And, uh, I, I will say that's come up in class. I, okay. I will also say it's the, one of the things I like about Good Place is because one of my continuing challenges as a teacher is to try to figure out what pop culture references I can still use. Because as I get older and as my students get less kind of TV and movie literate, they're fewer and farther between. Oh, yeah. And I think it came to a head for me when one day I made a, this was, this was a while ago, I probably told you this story. This was seven or eight years ago. I made a reference to the Matrix and I think three of 20 students knew what I was talking about. And I was like, what? You don't know the wow. Matrix? And that was when I realized that my cultural frame of reference and my students' cultural frame of reference is very, very different. But the only reason I say I say all of this is because the Good Place snuck through. Like a significant number of my students watch the Good Place, so it's something I can occasionally mention, and they will occasionally get it. And the Marvel movies. All of my students have seen all of the Marvel movies, nice. so it's 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 a place where I can still I can make a Thanos reference, okay. and at least know what I'm talking about. Whereas I cannot make a Neo reference. Neo is Neo is dead to these. But I mean, I think other <laughs> I think other professors in your division used to teach the Matrix as part of their philosophy course. Right? I mean, back in the this is going back like you know fifteen <laughs> twenty years, but uh, and now oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely, absolutely, yeah, because that's a, but what what other Marvel movies I suppose can you are there any other ones? I just for my own personal, I will get back to the good place in a minute, but I just for my own personal satisfaction well you know it's funny because so i think i so i teach you know what i would do is i would teach in my second semester i would teach leopold senghor and kwame nkrumah who are african philosophers and i would i i went all in on kind of african philosophy and black panther oh, because cool. a couple of years ago literally every literally all of my students had seen black panther and they had thoughts about it too so it was uh and, and it was they were interesting the ways in which that movie kind of engages some of the real concerns of African philosophy in the 20th century. So I was able to do that a little bit. And, that's, um, and yeah, that's awesome. That's, but we're okay. We're talking about the good place. So sorry about good that. Place. I just wanted to... that's right. <laughs> that was just my own personal you know, thing. So the idea that, yeah, the end, the finale of the good place, let's just, I'll just go back to that. Cause it's, you just watch it. And yeah, they all, the cool thing is so like they each have their own sort of resolution. Each character gets their own thing. Tahani, like, she had like all these issues with her parents and her sister and everything like that. Yeah. And she kind of makes peace with all that, with all of them. And that's all very interesting. And like I said, she becomes a, an architect like Michael was and Michael yeah. Danson becomes a human and yeah. he wants, cause he wants to know what that's like. And it's kind of, he's this immortal and he wants to know what it's like to just be a regular person. And yeah. that's really pretty interesting. He becomes just like, just this regular old, like, guy who can't even microwave like a you know like one of those meals <laughs> and he's like burning his fingers the right. he's, he's loving it though like he loves the idea of it just being a simple flawed human uh, yeah and it, well and then i also just i mean i think i'm just thinking about cameos and then they gave the cameo because mary steenburgen is his real wife right yes yes that's and great. she gets a cameo. yeah no it is it's great i mean i think it is a kind of ringing endorsement of humanity i mean because that's the other thing about that's the other thing about uh, about the good place as they reconfigure it, all of the, all of the human joys are just still all of the joys, right? right. I mean, you, yeah. you get more of them, you get better access to them, but you know, right. J Jason, 
Jason gets a certain amount of joy from getting the perfect score in Madden, right? I mean, so, right. yeah, the, yeah, it's a. I mean, I think that, that I think that's. I mean, that's I'm, of course that's very that's very intentionally. I mean, I think the other thing that drove that home for me was that, you know, they were doing, in the last episode, Chidi is teaching a class called Ethics in the Afterlife, but it's really just, epic. I mean, it's just ethics. It's like, right. the, the, the extent to which the afterlife is just life, I think is, I mean, I can't be, can't be unintentional. Yeah, I mean, it is. And Chidi has like a little more confidence now, though, too. Like he, because yeah. he's having gone through all this he's able to make decisions and, and everything it's great the jason stuff is great he's he, first of all he sort of makes peace with his dad and then he gets yeah. to yeah he gets to play as blake bortles i guess right in madden right <laughs> it's one of the funniest moments i think in the whole show where they told him that blake bortles had been cut right? <laughs> Well, but then, and, but then, then they upped it because because that Blake Bortles reference got dated maybe halfway through the show, and then in the end, when when his buddy says to him, um, "You're my Gardner Minshew," so they can update their Jacksonville Jaguars starting lineup jokes. <laughs> That's pretty good. I love like the whole the whole idea of Jacksonville was just kind of just like I, I don't know if I'd be offended if I lived in Jacksonville, but there was some really funny. <laughs> I think they at one point they 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 had the Macho Man Randy Savage International Airport was located in Jacksonville to make another wrestling <laughs> reference, but so good. Even, even and what because and and then Southern it yeah I mean it does it has a certain amount of fun with and it's funny like I think that's one of the things I liked about the show is I I kind of get tired of I mean like the Florida is so crazy joke got cliche quite a while ago for me and yet somehow yeah. <laughs> that the show kind of kept it interesting. Maybe, maybe just because they went right to Jacksonville. Like, Jacksonville was the heart of Floridian weirdness in the show. <laughs> right. I, maybe that's why I liked it in particular. <laughs> it wasn't, like, all of Florida. Although, like, COVID, you know, Florida became kind of even more crazy. They just yeah, let everything I, yeah. go. So, like, well, they just have a, have a kernel of truth, don't they? <laughs> yeah, right. It was kind of ahead of their time. And also Arizona, because Eleanor was from Arizona. So that almost kind of got the same treatment. Arizona was this kind of, um, I don't know, like... I don't want to say white trash or whatever, but that that was like there was an element. Right. Probably say it now. <laughs> yeah, I probably should say, it. but there was an element uh, to that. So I thought that was pretty. And again, that's kind of ahead of the ahead of the curve, but we won't. Yes, we won't yes. get into that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, Arizona. But uh, yeah, <laughs> to all to all of our to all of our good listeners yeah. in Florida and Arizona. No, we we love you. Keep we love listening. you. <laughs> But um, I I don't know if I have anything really else to touch upon. But do you, I mean, were there other things that came to your mind as you were watching the show? Like, oh, or stuff that's come up, like you said, in class maybe or, or anything? Oh, I, I'll just do the, the only other one that, and it was because a student brought it up. One of my favorite, I, I love the kind of Doug Forsett thing. So, for, so for, the, if, for those of you who don't know the show, which I think we've already scared everybody off who doesn't know the show. So Doug Forsett is <laughs> the so. one who kind of initially gets into the good place because he breaks the point system. Or, oh, right. Or it's, yes. Um, McKeegan sort of, is... And, he, and, and he's oh, played by Michael McKeegan. God, they go he's so good. He's but so here's good. the interesting thing, and I love this part because I do teach this one. So when you finally see, when you finally meet Michael when you finally meet Dove Corset, he's, 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 he's kind of morally exhausted because he's, he's become so obsessed with the idea of doing the best he possibly can. But it's really interesting because I, I, one of my students caught this 
he has when when they're showing pictures of Doug Forsett's cabin or where Michael McKeon is, one of the one of the books that's laying out is a book I teach. It's Peter Singer's The Most Good You Can Do, which is which is this which is this really really great book, but also morally really really challenging. I mean, you get it from the title, The Most Good You Can Do, because it turns out that the definition of the most good you can do for Singer and then I think also for Michael McKeon is a lot better than we're doing right now. And like if you take that seriously, if you take seriously the idea that like you have to get as many moral points as you possibly can. It's, I mean, it's just, it's exhausting to the, I, I mean, I think it's very clear in the show that, that Michael McKeon is living in hell. I mean, that, that, that to I mean, try to live that moral standard is, and it's funny because when I teach that book, it's, it's a, it's a very obvious critique of it. Like, I mean, it, he's holding us to a moral standard that none of us are used to, and that might be totally unrealistic. And so I thought that was a really nice, it's a, that show is a that particular episode is a really nice reading of that particular book, which I, is a book I like a lot, but is is open to that particular criticism. So yeah, I love I love that Doug Forsett line. I love I love Michael Keaton. So, I love cool. Michael Keaton in general, but yeah, that's a great. I mean, there's things like he will like the the levels that he is trying to go to, like to, to literally do as, as much good as he can. It's like. But it's like he's kind of crazy. Like I mean, like he's, he's crazy. Yes. like Ted Danson and Janet, who we haven't even mentioned Janet. Well, you know, Janet's such a great character, but they're kind of yeah. looking at him. They're just like, uh, like you know, they don't really know how to what to make of this guy who is supposed like they've held him up on this pedestal as the most moral person ever, and yeah. he's like, he's yeah, he's like exhausted. Like you said, but he's also just kind of like they're just kind of like whoa. Like I mean, like, it's. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it's and it's a well. I think that's the other thing. I mean, the show does a really nice job of kind of not only, not only kind of what's the word I'm looking for, it, illustrating the bad place. I mean, like really fleshing out the ways in which we're horrible to each other, or really fleshing out our moral lows, but really problematizing our moral icons, right? I mean, so so you know, I mean, Michael McKeon, who's who's kind of the paragon of the show for the first two seasons, is clearly a very problematic figure. Um, and then when you get to, when you finally get to the good place at the very end, it's a very problematic place. Like, it, like the, the good place, even, even the real good place is kind of a bad place at the end of the show. And, and it takes this, the introduction of the eggs, and, and I suppose there's the thing, right? I mean, that's, and that's the, that's the bow we tie on this thing. It's only when you put an exit in that, that you, that you solve the problem of the real good place. Yeah. Yeah, but so I, I like I like that about the show. It doesn't it, it it problematizes it problematizes not only I mean it kind of illustrates our moral lows and problematizes our moral highs or our moral exemplars, which is cool. Wow, yeah, and it and but they do it and obviously they have to. It's hard because but they have to do it in a funny way, you know. And you have to yes, you have to make jokes too. You have to make people. You have to entertain people. It's a sitcom, but yeah, I mean it, it's yeah. it's. It's a, it's a really, I, I like that episode too. I, sorry, I forgot to mention that, but not just because I'm there. There you go. Little, I, little, I'm glad you brought it so. up. <laughs> I haven't brought up Maya Rudolph either. I think she won an Emmy for playing the judge. She's hilarious. She really? Yeah. She's the, yeah. She's like obsessed with TV. She's like, hey, I gotta go stream this show or whatever. And she's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of Jason Manzoukas, who was, what's his name? Doug? Was that the name of his, like the, the kind of, the guy they rebooted so many times? Oh, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forget his name. Derek, Derek. Derek, Derek, I'm sorry, Derek. Derek. Yeah. He's great. So funny. Oh, he's great. No, the casting in that show is fantastic. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm, I don't know if you're watching, are, are you watching Big Mouth? 
No, I'm not actually. Ooh, okay, there. Uh, right. The thing, yeah, big, big Mouth, which is Nick Kroll's animated show on oh, um, yeah, yeah. On, uh, on Netflix, which is the funniest thing I've seen in three years. And the only reason I bring it up is because Maya Rudolph is she's one of the she's one of the main voice actors for that. So oh, okay. yeah, it's reason reason 472 that Maya Rudolph is awesome. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. I mean, I think. We can wrap up if you, unless you have other things you want to no. enlighten us with. But I think we, you know, we we didn't cover everything. Obviously, this was a general good place, you know, uh, sort of overview. But uh, I I definitely learned some stuff. I hope uh, you enjoyed. It. I hope you didn't. I hope it didn't bore you with my <laughs> not knowing anything about great. philosophy. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, I'm excited to chat about this stuff. Yeah, so, I'm glad. It. I'm glad you could find the time. I know. In fact, you're actually on break right now right sir uh, yeah i i, I, like I am i am i'm on uh and, and i'm on a covid lengthened break because bu canceled spring break and moved to the beginning of the semester back so oh really I got time. oh my god so, so um so, yeah so come back next week for for ethics and philosophy and star trek <laughs> yeah why, why not sure sure <laughs> that sounds good thanks so much thanks for listening right, uh, leaguepodcast.com do you have a website or anything you want you want to plug <laughs> no okay good no, no. <laughs> All right. Well, check us out next time we go karaoke. We'll, you know, we'll let you know, <laughs> and hopefully we can do that again soon. I don't know. We'll see. What is it? A, a way to do it over Zoom or something, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I'll. I would. I will try that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, right, listen. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Is there something messed up with this place? We keep fighting with each other. None of the TVs get the NFL Red Zone channel. My soulmate doesn't even know who Blake Bortles is. I know this sounds crazy, but I think we're in the bad place. Jason figured it out? <laughs>